and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, continuing in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, we see biblical ways to avoid hypocrisy, plus practical examples of being crucified and dead to sin in Christ. We will also see that we always have decisions to make. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. And what about the person who is totally into music? What about if they died and they put front row tickets to their favorite music artist and back behind the scene passes to meet those artists right on the lid of that person's casket? Because they're dead, they wouldn't move one inch toward those special tickets for that concert either. That would be crucifixion to idolatry. Let me give you some more examples because this is pretty important. If we would not live as hypocrites, church, we must consider, reckon, debit, and credit ourselves to be dead to sin as an operating principle in our lives. Let me give you some more examples. It could look like this. You're a salesman, and your sales are slow, and your lost colleagues in the sales office routinely view pornography in a private side room of your sales office. And they keep bugging you with your free time to use it like they use their free time by viewing that trash and lusting. You have a choice to make. And so you think to yourself, I'm dead to the sin of lust. Unresponsive. With respect to the trash they want me to watch in that room, I am six feet under. Or, you're a high school student, and you have a teacher who you really don't like at all. It started back in September, and it only got worse by April. And lots of your classmates can't stand this teacher either. And they talk all the time about trying to get her into trouble with her boss, the school principal. You're a Christian, but if the truth be told, you've contributed some juicy ideas to those that are trying to torpedo the teacher. But then the Holy Spirit breaks through to you. As you're reading God's word, the Holy Spirit taps you on the heart as a high school student and says, that's sin. That's an evil passion. What are you going to do about it? The Holy Spirit tells you as a high schooler that your harmful intentions for your teacher are sin. And then right after that insight, you have the decision to make. Either you go along with your friends or you tell them that their progressing plan to do Mrs. V in in her career, you're no longer a part of because you're dead. And you as a high schooler could say, I confess my sin to you, God. I need to confess my sin next to my friends who have been in on all of the evil planning and I've had a part in it. And so you say to your friends, you know that plan you've got against Mrs. V? It's wrong. God says so, and I'm out. Dead high school Christians do not have to go along with the crowd if the crowd's going down the wrong road. Or you're open to getting married. Actually, you're very eager to get married. You're a born-again Christian. 
and you get involved with a man you really, really like, and with time in your heart and in your head and with your friends, you're confessing, I really like to marry him. But you know he's not a Christian. Things progress between the two of you, and hoping to get him to be your husband, you fall into sexual sin together. And he asks you to marry him, which is rare, by the way, with promiscuous men who sin with single women. They very, very, very rarely step up to commitment and ask that woman to marry them. And you have a decision to make. The right decision would be to talk to God and say, I've sinned dating this man, and now I've sinned by being out of control. I can't be unequally yoked together with this man. We cannot marry God. Forgive me. Give me grace to ask him to forgive me for my part in his fornication. And you say to the man, after you've asked for his forgiveness, telling him you've asked for God's forgiveness, you tell him, God tells me in his book to stay pure before I married, and I have not. And God also tells me not to date people who aren't born-again believers, and I disregarded that instruction to date you. And I have sinned against the Lord and against you. I've asked for God's forgiveness, and now I need to ask you, will you please forgive me for leading you along emotionally and romantically and physically? That's the right thing to do. That's what a Christian woman whose old woman has died and been crucified with Christ and is living Christ's life, that's what she does, so she's not a hypocrite. Or you're a commuter, and you drive two long hours in the traffic from this area to your workplace in the city, Monday to Friday, week after week after week after week. You are so depleted and so weary. One morning around 5 in the morning, right at the beginning of your usual commute, an oncoming car swerves into your lane, and you have to head for the ditch, and you go into the ditch at about 35 mile an hour to avoid a head-on collision. The other driver doesn't even brake. Keeps right on going. You're not hurt badly. But the longer you think about what happened and your lost wages and the deductible to fix your car, you start to boil over with anger. And your anger escalates to the point of irrational rage if you could just get a hold of that driver. You really wish you could harm him. And then the Holy Spirit within your pounding chest points out that you are alive and spared and that you are harboring a sinful passion. It's a righteous indignation right now, but if you let it go past bedtime after bedtime after bedtime, it will eat your lunch and cause you to become a bitter person. And so eventually, hopefully soon, you say to yourself and you pray to your Lord, I confess my sin of rage. Thank you that my car can be fixed. Thank you that my life was spared. I pray for that driver to come to know Jesus Christ and get an activated conscience because when he hit me, he had no conscience at all. I confess to you, Lord, my sin of rage because really, Lord, I come to see that I've really died to getting even. And I've also passed away to the right of having an undamaged car. Those are the thoughts and prayers of someone who is not a hypocrite. Or you're a businesswoman and your business is doing okay, but really it's just barely keeping your head above water. And you go to a trade show, 
in San Francisco to try to build your business. And you notice that one of the breaks, you see several pieces of paper on the floor in the trade exhibit hall, and you pick them up and find something very interesting. They turn out to be client sheets giving hundreds of names and contact information, and they happen to belong to your biggest competitor. Must have slipped out of his briefcase. And the names on those sheets could be the difference between your company soaring or crawling. What do you do? Finders keepers, losers weepers. Must be the sovereign plan of God for me to steal these clients. What do you do? You say to yourself, this would solve a lot of problems, Lord. But the truth is it would create far more problems than it would solve. Sin always does. Sin always creates more problems for us than we think it will solve. And so hopefully, as a non-hypocritical Christian, you will come to your senses and you will say to the Lord, I'm deceased with Jesus, so I'm not obliged to steal anything. I'm new in Christ, and Christ doesn't steal, so I'm not going to steal. And then you search for your competitor in the exhibit hall, and you go up to him, and you say, I believe these belong to you. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning, uh, Pastor Wendley Fowler. Well, good morning, Pastor Rob. Good to see you in the radio studio this morning. You are our pastor who heads up and goes point on world missions in our fellowship. And I understand that this March 9 to 13 will be our 44th annual World Missions Conference. And I just wonder, from your perspective, Pastor Fowler, what does that tell us about Calvary Bible Church? Well, it certainly tells me personally about the faithfulness of uh, our membership here at Calvary Bible Church and the longevity in which they have consistently been involved in missions. Wonderful. So it really speaks to the fact we believe there's one true message of salvation in Jesus Christ and that people without that message are lost in sin. Absolutely. So we, it's incumbent upon us to uh, give, pray, and go. Indeed. Wonderful. I wanted to tell our listeners about a special guest we have as our keynote speaker for our conference again, which is March 9 through 13. It is uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and I'll just read some of his bio that I find it very interesting. Uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung resided in Jerusalem for at least a portion of the year each year for the last 23 years, where he had full credentials as a journalist in the second most populated journalistic city in the world. Arriving there just three days prior to the Gulf crisis in 1991, he weathered 39 scud attacks. Jimmy gave reports nationwide on several networks during the Gulf crisis. He had his finger on the pulse of what is considered the media hotspot of our time, the Middle East. On his travels throughout the U.S. and around the world, Jimmy brings with him the latest news from the Middle East with a unique blend of political, biblical, and prophetic insight that cannot be found in the media today. After graduating from Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Jimmy joined with Jack Wurtson and Harry Ballback at Word of Life Fellowship in Scroon Lake, New York. There he spent the next 12 years in many staff positions, including staff evangelist, host of Word of Life Inn, and producer of radio programs heard worldwide. 
For the next five years, Jimmy was the vice president and general manager of the New York City's first Christian radio station, WNYM. During his time at the station, Jimmy was the producer and host of a daily talk program in the number one media market in America. Upon first arriving in Israel, moved by the plight of the Israeli people and by the Spirit of God, Dr. DeYoung founded the Assembly at Jerusalem, a Bible-preaching church that meets in the Holy City. Today, Jimmy travels the world proclaiming the good news of Christ's gift of eternal life and soon coming return for his church using the means of media, radio, television, books, and the internet, as well as by preaching in churches and assemblies across the globe. Jimmy has met and interviewed many international leaders, including Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, Israeli former Foreign Minister Shimon Peres, former Jerusalem Mayor Ehud Elmut, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, former Defense Minister Moishan Ahrens, Jordan's Foreign Minister Marwan Mushashur, and the late Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. Jimmy is seen on the Day of Discovery television program, which is produced in the Middle East. He is also heard daily and weekly on radio and internet uh, with the latest reports from the Middle East on several networks consisting of over 800 stations. Jimmy is a noted conference speaker in the United States, Europe, and South America, and he devotes several months out of each year to his conference schedule. He has authored the best-selling book, Sound the Trumpets, produced a number of audio and video materials, including his bestseller, Ready to Rebuild, a documentary on the building of the Third Temple. Jimmy continues to monitor the most current events as they unfold in the Middle East and compares these current events to the prophetic truth of God's Word. Jimmy had the privilege of receiving his doctorate from Tennessee Temple University in May of 1996. He also received his Ph.D. from Louisiana Baptist University in May of 2000. That's quite a bio, isn't it, Pastor it Fowler? It absolutely is. <laughs> yes, he's yes. Uh, been around, and uh, we're really pleased that he's made himself available to us. Now, I don't think this is his first visit to Calvary Bible Church. No, it hasn't. Um, he was here before. My thinking he may have been here at least two on two previous occasions, and we thoroughly enjoy his presentation, his in-depth knowledge about what's happening on the ground, certainly as it relates to Israel in particular, but particularly with prophecy and its relationship to Israel. So he's been a phenomenal presenter in the past. Excellent. Yes. Uh, I'm really looking forward to sitting under his ministry. The title or the, uh, the name for our missions conference this year is uh, Prophecy and Missions. And uh, we're asking Brother DeYoung to um, look at current events that we all see and hear in the news, uh, often our troubling events, ISIS and uh, Syria refugees and so on, and to take those events and to interpret them in the light of what God has predicted in his word, the prophetic scriptures. And so I think we'll find that very fascinating for him to be able to show us, well, when this is happening in this particular country at this particular time, it lines up with what this prophet said would happen. And then in light of that, what is the best strategy for us to take the gospel to a very troubled world, a very topsy-turvy world that uh, seems so unstable 
in, in many, many ways. Maybe you could help, uh, Pastor Fowler, maybe you could help us know um, the meetings of this week. What, when is Jimmy going to be speaking? Well, as you mentioned earlier, the days that we will be having the conference is the 9th through the 13th of March. And we begin each evening at 7 p.m. That's the weekday. So we have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Saturday, we call that a day off in paradise. <laughs> and then back to Sunday, which will be the culminating event, but where we would hear um, Jimmy's final um, presentation. But at that point, I hope, hope, I'm hoping that we would have uh, um, our people so um, charged and excited about uh, how they can be involved with mission, and now they have a clear understanding of what's been happening around the world and in light of what Scripture um, has to say with respect to, to prophecy. And uh, just simply to be more involved with a renewed sense of energy. Excellent. And uh, those meetings on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night begin at what time? At 7, at 7 p.m., and we think by at least quarter to nine, you should be on your way out of there. So we're looking at at least an hour and a half to hour and three quarters of an hour. And um, on Sunday morning, again, we begin at 11 a.m. Again, we invite everyone to please come and be a part of that. Excellent. I know that a person could attend only one night of the week and find great benefit you can jump into this conference anytime it suits your schedule. And I think there's actually a bonus that Dr. DeYoung is offering to us. The meetings themselves will be 7 to around 8.45. But on the Thursday night and on the Friday night, he's graciously going to make himself available an hour ahead at 6 p.m. for a very informal question and answer time for anyone who cares to be there and ask their questions. So that's very gracious of him indeed. And along those lines, we're going to do our best with our great media team to video all these sessions through this conference and post them on our webpage, calvarybible.org.bs, so the benefit of the teaching can be far spread. And then there's something happening actually during the Sunday school hour on Sunday, which is 9.30 to 10.30. Tell us about that. That is absolutely correct. We will have a combined Sunday school with all of the adult classes, again, where Jimmy will share with those persons present. And then, of course, for the younger group, we have other missionaries who will be involved with that as well. But really to hear Jimmy, the combined Sunday school class will have an opportunity to ask specific questions and basically hear what Jimmy's been doing. I think that's a very special time, along with what you mentioned earlier, with him being present on Thursday and Friday, an hour before time, so that people can ask their specific questions or anything that he may have said in the first uh, meeting and anything that they want to find out or relates generally to how they might personally be involved. I think there are some excellent opportunities then for them to have their questions answered. Yes, indeed. He's a, he is an authority, and uh, God has positioned him over the years to be in the right place with the right people and to have his nose in the Bible to mm. know how it all fits together. So he really is a unique individual, and we're very blessed uh, to have him with us. Something I thought I'd just hitchhike on when we're talking about world missions is over your time with the congregation, uh, Pastor Fowler, have you seen God uh, stir individuals within the Calvary Bible Church family towards serving in missions? I certainly have, you know, and uh, Calvary, as you mentioned, over this past 44 years, um, I, I can think of approximately but four persons who I think want us, we would like to refer to them as, as career missionaries, 
Um, and maybe a few years, maybe 40 years ago, I remember one of our past um, elders, um, Dansby Hudson, his sister was one of those, one of our first missionaries mm-hmm. who would have left Calvary and went to Central America to minister. And she's been there for many years. Of course, she's uh, passed since. But then beyond that, we have had like Edison and Eunice, um, who are currently still serving. And we had um, Keith Phillips, who's uh, now serves as open air campaigners in Jamaica. Um, he would have been a part of Calvary back then. And um, so he's involved. We have had also Stuart um, as well, um, who is no longer serving. But a person certainly would have come about and being involved in, in missions. But beyond that, we also have those who have been, I think, impacted and I think in significant ways who are involved and would be referred to as short-term missionary um, projects over the years. And um, we've seen them still involved and still eager to be involved. And uh, that is something that I, I guess is priceless in terms of the end um, result or total impact, or certainly on individuals themselves, but those persons that they were privileged to minister um, to, whether that was um, a Sunday school, a vacation Bible school project, whether it was building on a project, building project, um, or just simply um, going out as an evangelistic effort and sharing and sometimes assisting persons who would make maybe medical projects. We've certainly had a number of persons who are still, I think, enthused and still involved. And so every opportunity um, that there is an opportunity for short-term mission trips, those persons and the numbers growing in terms of those persons who want to be involved with mission. So again, God has been extravagantly faithful to us here at Calvary Bible Church. Indeed he has. And uh, my heart beats to see the Lord raise up something I call a people tithe to cross-cultural world mission endeavor. And what that is, my heart beats that we would see God raise up at least 10% of our congregation in taking the gospel across cultural barriers, uh, whether that's in Nassau or uh, family islands or some other country or region in the world. And uh, that's an exciting thing to think that the Lord would want to do that and that he could do that. It's striking that that although in some evangelical circles in the United States, the idea of an annual missions conference is kind of going the way of the dodo bird. Mm. It's, it's going extinct, which is really, really sad because, um, you know, when you think about it, God the Father... Uh, only has one only begotten son named Jesus, and he sent Jesus to be a cross-cultural missionary to planet Earth. And so we know that the Father's heart beats uh, to get the truth and the hope of salvation where um, cultural barrier wants to prevent that. And so um, it is our prayer as a church that we would be in tune, resonating with the heartbeat of God for a world that's lost in sin. For God so loved the world Mm -hmm. that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3, 16. And uh, last thing maybe I'll say before we pray is uh, I was privileged to grow up in Toronto, and Toronto happens to be the city where the People's Church is located. And the People's Church uh, was founded by Dr. Oswald J. Smith, a real um, pastor with uh, world-renowned leadership in the area of world missions. And he had many, many excellent quotes. I commend them to your attention on the internet, just Google Oswald J. Smith quotes and you'll get a lot of them. But one that he said rings true at this point in my thinking, which is, why should anyone in the world hear the gospel twice? 
when there are people who have not yet heard it once? And um, that is a good question. It is. <laughs> well, why don't we pray together, brother? Well, certainly. certainly. Uh, Lord, our loving Lord, we thank you for your heartbeat for the world. We thank you that you gave your best to bring the truth and salvation to the most. Yes. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would fall in line with your will and your way mm. as recorded in your word, that we would be a, a local church that is concerned for the lost and is committed to giving money to reach them, uh, to going to reach them ourselves, and to praying that they would be reached. Lord, we desire that this mission conference, uh, Prophecy and Missions with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, this missions conference of March 9 to 13, will be well attended, Lord, not for the sake of statistics Mm -hmm. or offerings, no, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the cause of world missions. Mm -hmm. Lord, would you please touch lives, speak to souls within our conference this year to call them into missions, to call them into service that takes the gospel across cultural barriers in the power of the Spirit and for the glory of God. Lord, thank you for making this conference possible. We commit and commend our speaker to you. Bring him to us safely, spiritually strong, physically strong. Give him utterance to speak the truth we need to hear and give us ears and hearts that are receptive, that we would not merely get smarter. Oh, Lord, we want to be more like Jesus. And we pray these things in his victorious name together. Amen. 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 There's more than science behind rainbows in the sky. God is the main one behind each rainbow. After the global flood, God promised long ago, and I establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy earth. And God said, this is the sign of my covenant. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It's interesting that warriors often carry bows and God is basically saying by the promise of the rainbow that he's hanging his warrior's bow in the sky, never to have to use that warrior's bow again by flooding the whole wide earth and killing everybody on it. God is loving to send us rainbows often to remind us of his promise. And I'd like you to remember that God is the perfect promise keeper. Remember, God loves you and he's proven it with Jesus' cross. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.